Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Georgina Canny, standing in for Rebecca today. I run the Pragmatic Alumni Community at Pragmatic Institute, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, we... Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the very best minds in the industry. I am Georgina Canny, standing in for Rebecca today. I run the Pragmatic Alumni Community at Pragmatic Institute, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, we have the good fortune of talking to Kenya Odor. She's a human-centered researcher, strategist, and designer. And after nearly 18 years in enterprise software development orgs, she formed Lean Geeks, which is a consulting and staffing firm that helps organizations discover market opportunities and to find the most effective solutions for their markets. She is also a 2009 Pragmatic alum and has used the Pragmatic framework to create a pragmatic design, agile framework of her own, discovering how to validate, design, and drive content to the development team. Uh, so Kenya, it's wonderful to have you, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So let's start from the top. I understand that you have a nonlinear career path and a really interesting professional story. Um, I know that your work was a, a culmination of many different disciplines. Can you talk about what that journey looked like, where you started, and how you got where you are now? Absolutely. So early on in my career, I made a transition and decided to move to North Carolina to pursue a graduate degree in human factors psychology. And while in graduate school, one of my uh, colleagues approached me about a co-op position at IBM. And so I had no idea what that role was going to entail. All I knew that it was a job and I would get paid. So I said, I'll figure it out along the way. And uh, so I took the role um, and that was the start of my understanding of software development. Um, understanding your user in the context of software development and the importance of what the user's doing, what is their motivation, what is their context, and all that sort of thing, so that you can ultimately design the best experience for your user. So it was during that point in uh, my career that I started to um, become more intrigued with um, user experience, user experience research and design. And so I uh, was ready for a new challenge and decided to move on to an organization that hired me to be the UX team of one. And in that role, I was um, tasked with not only doing the work, but also evangelizing what is user experience, and then also uh, building up a team of user experience professionals across the research, design, uh, and business analysis space. So that was also an interesting challenge, but helped me uh, understand the ecosystem of uh, big D development and where product fits, where UX fits, where your engineers um, come into play and how you guys partner together. And so in that role, I had the opportunity, of course, like any other um, 
any other organization, at one point we reported into development, uh, other times we reported into our own vertical, user experience vertical, and then we had situations where we uh, aligned with product management. And it was there that uh, we had leadership that um, had us all uh, go through pragmatic marketing training. So that's where I was introduced to pragmatic and uh, was able to put all the pieces together in terms of what goes into making the sausage, how those decisions are made, how the teams work together and that sort of thing. That's awesome. Um, I love I love hearing the unique stories of how people kind of fall down their own rabbit holes and end up in um, really interesting kind of career spaces and areas of focus. Um, and, and one area of focus that I know that you have um, put lots and lots of attention into is human factors. Um, and so I know that you are a doctor. You have a PhD in human factors. Um, so I think you're a wonderful person to talk to about it. Can you tell me what that is and how does that fit into the larger UX ecosystem? Absolutely. So I've always been uh, interested in solving problems, figuring out what is the solution, what does that solution look like, and uh, that's how I stumbled on the field of human factors. Uh, I already had a bachelor's degree in psychology, so it aligned really nicely in terms of uh, helping me to work with people, but also to look at solutions that are uh, centered around the people that use them. And so human factors is essentially, if I could say it in the shortest term possible, it's the study of work. So what human factors involves is understanding people cognitively and physically, and then understanding the ecosystem that they're in. So what are the systems that they work with? What are the products? What are the tools, the environments, the people? And so you work to understand that entire ecosystem, but you're always focused on that user or that human in the loop. So everything that you do is driven by uh, how we process information, uh, what is the context in which we make decisions and how do you build things around your user that support that capability, including the way they interact with other humans. So that means that sometimes human factors not only looks at the solution itself that maybe your company builds, but all of the aspects of that ecosystem that that solution will live in. Fascinating. Um, I love that. Um, starting to question my own um, <laughs> higher education experience because I'm getting a little bit jealous because that sounds like a fantastic thing to focus on. Um, so how, so, you know, when you're kind of working with the product space, how does human factors impact product? Um, are there particular places that um, it touches product management work? Are there areas where human factors partners really well with product? Um, or, you know, with folks that have human factors, uh, maybe capabilities or skill sets? That's a good question. So where, so what I've seen historically in my career is that human factors uh, and design or user experience overall, they're um, very well, very misunderstood and not always well placed in organizations. And what I found is where product teams and strategy teams leverage their human factors professionals in the process of figuring out what is it that we're creating? What are we solving for? So that whole aspect of discovery and all those activities that go into uh, doing a deep dive into understanding who your market is, um, what is the motivation for why your market would want to use your solution? 
uh, human factors people can help to look at things not only from that business outcomes perspective, but they're looking at it from the human perspective, which allows product managers to partner really well with someone that's focused on ultimately solving for those users' real needs or identifying those real opportunities that users sometimes don't know they need to solve for. So that discovery piece and that definition piece is a really good place to partner with human factors professionals. And as you start to look at what does that solution look like, because at that stage, sometimes you don't even know what it, what it is or what it's going to be, then you start to look at how human factors people can translate that um, and sometimes they can do that themselves or partner with a designer. And designers don't have to be true designers. Any member of the team that feels they have ideas and want to put them on paper, um, quote unquote on paper. Uh, so working with them to help synthesize all that different information and insight to make sense of, okay, what are we building? How does it integrate with what our user or our prospect does today and what software or solutions they use today? All of that kind of, again, back to that ecosystem, how all of those things work together. Yes, that's awesome. And is, is there a component of data that comes through with a human factors role or skill set? That's a really good question because I, I've, always, um, I've always struggled in my career with people understanding that as human factors professionals, especially those that have advanced degrees in human factors, we have a whole toolkit of methods and outputs, but it all starts with what is the question that you're trying to answer? So what is your assumption? What is your hypothesis at any stage of discovery, definition, or design? Once you tell us what that hypothesis or that assumption is, we can work backwards from there to figure out how to get the answers or validate your assumptions. But then also, based on the dynamic of the team, the culture, the maturity, then you can figure out from there, how do I deliver the output? So is it visual output? Is it in the form of, you know, more detailed requirement input? Is it in the form of actually prototyping something? So all of that comes, um, it, it, all of that is defined or driven by that organization and the maturity or expectations of individuals um, across the team. Right, right. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, can, you, can you share an example, because now I'm just really curious, can you share an example of what a partnership like that might look like and, and what that flow of the kind of collaboration and, and teamwork in that area looks like? Have you been part of a partnership like that in the past? Absolutely. So. I've always looked at um, my role as a human factors professional. Even when I was in-house, I looked at that role as a consultant, an in-house consultant. So I am here to serve the needs of product or the technical team, um, and my team was also there to do that. So I made sure that the individuals on the team knew that you want to always look at everyone that you partner with as your client. And so I had a, uh, a peer uh, that was uh, over one of our solution line um, solution lines. He was the product management leadership over that solution line. And we were having conversations about the struggles that the UX uh, team members under me and the product managers under him, how they were all having a challenge in terms of, okay, what are we building? What does it look like? 
the technical team is chomping at the bit to get something started. The requirements are so vague, they really don't understand what this is. And then when they try to create something from a design or a, um, a technical standpoint in terms of implementation, it doesn't align with what people envision or expect. And so I proposed to him, I said, give me, I think it was about six weeks, give me six weeks of time for us to put things on pause. And let's take a designer from my team, a UX designer, and a product manager from your team, and let me take them out and we will go and do some work to validate, do we have the right target market? Do we really understand their workflow and what they do in the context of that workflow? And let's turn that into a working prototype. So no code on the back end, just a screen, you know, screen by screen flow of the high level areas of the application. So he said, great. So we allocated a little bit of budget to go out and visit with uh, four or five client sites that were within driving distance so that we could take day trips. So we tried to do it really on the cheap and, and, and the quick and dirty kind of thing. So we went to the client sites. We set up meetings with the people within those client sites that were our assumed target. And what, so what I did was I showed the product manager and the designer how to engage with uh, your target user in terms of a conversation. So why are you, or why do you need a solution around this? What are you doing today? How do you perform these tasks with or without our application in today's world? Who do you partner with in that context? Um, what are some of the needs that you have that go beyond what we assume to be the needs of that, that concept or that solution? And so what we did was had that conversation. And while I drove that conversation, the designer and the product manager took notes. Okay. And so what we would do was every day after these conversations, we would debrief and we put, we created a schedule in that little six week time period to say, okay, we're going to check in after we've talked to everyone, make sense of it. We threw workflows on a whiteboard, a, 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 an open space whiteboard so that anyone could walk by, anyone could see it. And so what that workflow spelled out was the high level tasks that are being performed and the different roles within that client site that were performing activities uh, during each of those tasks. And then we drew a line and we created what the application would do. Okay, so what, what is it that the application would do at each of those stages? What is the, the types of information or what are the needs that the user has from a solution perspective at each of those tasks? And so what we did was we mulled over it a little bit, adjusted things accordingly, but ultimately we turned that into, uh, or the designer, I should say, turned that into wireframes or prototype. And then I sat down with her and we, you know, ironed out some of the details based on the synthesis of all of that information. And in six weeks, we were able to present to the team more understanding or a better understanding of the user, uh, context around what they're doing, why they're doing it, who they're doing it with, in the context of what that solution is. And we delivered the wireframes and the product manager during this time was working to do some of that requirements management, requirements analysis work so that he could then help the business analyst understand, okay, here are those big rocks we're solving for in the context of that solution. Now let's break that down into uh, what that means for the team. 
And so in six weeks, we were able to get to that. Again, we did it with a lot of agility, low budget, uh, but it was collaborative. And it forced us to go out and talk to the customer. And I think that was why, uh, again, going back to your earlier question, human factors, people typically work well when you start with your assumptions and then work backwards in terms of, okay, let's figure out how to validate those assumptions and come out with something that's actionable. Yeah. So you took, it took six weeks and in that time you, you applied a, a quantitative approach to capturing a really holistic human experience for the better of the product as a whole. That's, that's, right. that's fantastic. That's an awesome outcome. Um, I, I'm wondering, because I think that you might have sold people on this approach already, what does, it, um, what does it look like to have a human factor role on or around the product team? Is this, um, you know, do you see a, a full-time employee with a human factors title? Is that only in large organizations? Or do you think that you see that skill set weaving into other roles and how does it fit on a team? That's a really good question. So again, the I've seen in, across across my experiences in different organizations and talking to colleagues that are also human factors professionals that in a lot of cases uh, we're underutilized when we're inside of organizations because we're hired into a predefined role in a lot of cases uh, the individuals that define that role um, don't have a full grasp on what human factors professionals can do. And so a good example might be that you sit within the product management organization or you sit uh, on the side of the organization that is a cost center where you're building stuff, but that human factors uh, professional has capability to help also tie data coming out of the support organization or the marketing organization, they're able to help either leverage some of their capabilities in those organizations or consume. But because of the nature of the way organizations are structured, that doesn't always um, lend to them being fully, fully utilized. Um, I think that uh, having been in that position myself, but also hiring into that role, I think it's important um, to start with, do we have individuals in our organization that understand what human factors is? If we don't, the first thing we need to do is learn and understand. And uh, once you have that understanding, it's a decision around, do we invest in bringing someone into the organization? Or do we lean on consultants uh, like myself uh, to come into the organization as needed uh, to help benefit the organization when there are assumptions to test and questions to get answers to, that sort of thing. Um, what I've also seen is where product managers who typically feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders, when they recognize that owning outcomes doesn't mean that you have to do everything to get to those outcomes, but that you're a coach of sorts, and when you coach a team, you have to look to the different skills of your team members and figure out how do I leverage them in the right way and at the right time. And because human factors professionals have this vast toolkit, sometimes it just takes having a conversation with them about the challenge you're having or the problem you're trying to solve 
And just by the nature of human factors, it's about problem solving. So what you can do is talk through that challenge and they, there might be a method that you didn't think of that they're able to pull out of that toolkit to help you um, execute and get your answers. Um, so what I've seen is where product managers are open to that, that vulnerability and that trust factor of partnering with human factors individuals or having those uh, collaborative conversations that's been very effective in terms of uh, fully or more fully utilizing your uh, HF talent in your organization. Um, what I've also seen over my career, especially as a leader inside of an organization, was where our organization was structured in a way where the growth path for uh, some of these individuals that are typically their roles are defined as user experience researcher, human factors engineer, it might just be user experience research and design, something very generic in that space. But where I've seen uh, growth paths that don't go any further than uh, those individuals becoming a manager or uh, a staff level or a senior level or a consulting level, um, when, when these individuals were looking for new challenges in their human factors type role, a lot of time the natural progression was into product management. For those folks that were more strategic, um, just by the way that they work and the way they think, that product management role was a really good fit in terms of a uh, transition into a new career. And what I've seen is um, they're very helpful in, when you look at the pragmatic framework, their skills are very helpful in a lot of those activities that relate to uh, decisions that drive development, um, uh, understanding the market and competitive intelligence, um, helping with some of those build versus buy decisions in terms of what your user really needs and what's already out there. Um, so I have seen where there is value in A, understanding the role, but also looking at the potential to have them either immersed in your team or partnering very closely with your team. So do you think that, have, have what you've seen kind of made it so that human factors capabilities and, and skill sets and natural inclinations in that arena, it sounds like it almost acts like a bridge bringing people from a UX space into more of a product space if they want that strategic uh, challenge? Mm -hmm. I, love the, I love the word bridge because what you have uh, in terms of UX and design overall is we typically serve as the bridge between engineering and product, okay? And then when you take that and you narrow that, that even further, human factors people are a really good bridge between your UX and your product management. In terms of that translation and that synthesis, uh, human factors by the nature of our training, our responsibility is to synthesize information. And synthesis is a skill that's taught and it, it, it requires you to, to flex those muscles to understand what that means. But sometimes decision makers in strategy and product don't have that synthesis skill on the team. And that's where you might take information that's not right in front of you, but it's ancillary or secondary. And that information can help inform, okay, what do we really wanna do? And that's where your human factors professionals can really um, come into play and their strengths can add to the product management team. 
So when you're thinking about kind of what that synthesis looks like, and it, it sounds like the, the highest order responsibility of a human factors professional is to synthesize the information they're finding inside the organization. But I, I think that you personally go even a step beyond that because you have transitioned not from an in-house role anymore, but to a consulting role. So now you and correct me if I'm wrong, are synthesizing the information you're seeing across many different organizations. And so I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and understand, um, you know, can you share some more about why that might be a benefit to an organization and, and why you made that shift from an in-house role to a um, more consulting capacity? Right. So after you know, nearly 18 years in the field and having seen different organizations, having connections to colleagues in different industries and different companies, uh, different experiences across products, what I recognized was there are some organizational challenges uh, that exist with most companies that build software and build products. That's just the nature of building something for someone else. And what I recognize is there are common themes within that um, that exist no matter where you go. Um, second to that, I recognized that I myself as a human factors professional had a desire to not only understand the user and to understand how to solve for that user, but I recognized that that's half the battle. The second half of the battle is once you bring that information into the organization, you've got to be structured in a way as an organization to consume it effectively and to build properly. So everybody right now, digital transformation is really hot right now for a lot of people. But digital transformation, or I should say for a lot of organizations, but digital transformation involves more than just deploying agile practices. That means that what you feed the machine has to make sense. It has to be consumable. It has to be data-driven in terms of the decisions that are made and the requirements that are documented or, or that people are working against. And so what I recognized is um, my interest and my skills were twofold. It was about the human factors practice and helping people to make sense of the information um, that we gather and synthesize about their market. But it was also the, to me, more, more important component, which was once you have all of that delivering that or partnering with the organization so that they can understand how to consume it more effectively, which is the harder work because that's org management, that's org change. Um, some organizations are ready for that and some aren't, but the, the important thing is that as a human factors professional, I'm using it not only for their users, but also for the people in the organization. So it's a really fascinating experience for me, sometimes frustrating, but the, the fun part to me is that I made the jump or the leap to, to quit uh, an in-house role and to start a consulting company because I saw the fact that when you're immersed in something, there's um, the emotional, there's the, um, a part of the organization that you can become a part of that um, I guess the politics and the challenges of that organization, you are a member of that organization versus being a consultant. People look at your perspective and your insight differently. 
And at the end of the day, you are not tied to that organization, so you can be more objective. And I think that's an important piece of it in terms of your user, but also your organization and all the people within your organization. That objectivity is very, very helpful. It's really interesting to me that this seems like a role and a profession that is fueled by a really a type of person. Like you kind of just are a person that is going to naturally be driven towards this and the career comes after. It's not the kind of thing that, you know, you wake up in fourth grade and say, I'm going to be a dentist, right? It's kind of the other way around. Like you, you recognize these characteristics and these drives and passions to continue looking for new information within yourself. And so it's making me a little bit curious if for the folks out there that are leading product teams and they're interested in identifying a person either on their team or an outside consultant that has these innate characteristics, what kinds of personal attributes should they be looking for when trying to identify the right human factors professional uh, to help bring about some of these outcomes that you've seen success with? That's an interesting question because I've tried to tap into what is that nugget of truth that makes people go into human factors? Like what is that, what is it at their core that makes them interested? And what I found when I look at uh, my colleagues that are, that span, you know, 15 to 40 year careers, what I found is that in most cases, they're systems thinkers. So they, Strive to understand the big picture and the user in the context of that big picture, user being the consumer of your solution, but also the people in the organization. How do, how do things always fit? It's about the human in the loop. And so people who are constantly driven uh, by understanding people, but in the context of ecosystems, uh, I found those types of people are, um, A, the ones that I've seen in this sort of career, because, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where the human is very um, unpredictable. But we are trained to understand or to use methods to do what we can to understand the most about behavior, motivation, and that sort of thing, how people process information. So you, individuals that are capable of having that, their eyes on the big picture, but then what does that mean in terms of what, how we solve for people is one piece of it. Um, it's also uh, people who are open to different methods for doing that. So I've been in organizations where it's all about A-B testing, A-B testing, or we're going to go out and do ethnography and we're going to do follow me homes. And so those are, those are just um, one or two of the vast uh, number of methods that you can use. Again, it goes back to what are your assumptions and what are you trying to validate? And let's figure out the right way to get the answers. I've seen where I've seen individuals that are honed in on asking those questions first, rather than just going and doing based on what they're told. Um, those are typically human factors professionals um, that A, uh, are successful and, and feel fulfilled in their role. Um, and I myself, have to say that the exciting part of working with different organizations is that each of them comes to you with a different need and a different assumption. So it's, it's about being able to flex all of those different methods and, and 
and ways in which you can learn more about their user and about them as an organization. And as someone who is just absolutely in love with different types of systems, that must just be an absolute joy for you to do every day. Um, if folks want to learn more about the work that you are doing specifically, um, where should they go to look at that? Absolutely. Please visit my website. It's leangeeks.net. That's leangeeks.net. And what we found over time is organizations partner with us not only around doing the work itself of understanding their their user better or helping to infuse design thinking or user-centered design in their organization. We also help organizations staff those roles. Like I said earlier, people sometimes have a hard time understanding, hey, what do I really need in that space? And what does good look like? And how much does that cost and all that sort of thing? And we help with that as well. So absolutely visit the website. Drop an email, call. We are here. <laughs> and so as, as we're wrapping up and, and we're kind of coming to the last thought, what is, if there was only one thing that people took away from this conversation, only one thing that they um, would really carry with them about human factors, what would it be? Very good question. I think as an, a human factors professional, and again, in my conversations with colleagues and across organizations, what I've recognized that uh, most of us, what we most desire is to have influence on outcomes. Knowing that the work that we've done has had a positive influence on helping the organization understand the user better, uh, helping the organization uh, in terms of building or, or identifying the right problems to solve and building the right solution around that, that is what is most fulfilling uh, for human factors professionals. And the only way that that influence can come about is if you're effectively leveraged and you are partnering with the right folks in the organization. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, that is going to do it for today's episode. And um, thank you very much for listening. We have been talking to Kenya Odor um, from Lean Geeks. Kenya, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you and have a good one. You too. All right, folks, don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great episode designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.